Welcome to Light Your Leadership Talks, or LIL Talks. Every week, we bring you informal chats with leaders and leadership experts from around the globe. Your host is Lisa Anna Palmer, author of the international best-selling book, Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. Listen in so that you too can stay informed about the latest wise practices that set great leaders apart. Today's topic is finding our center as a leader during times of adversity. And our amazing and inspiring guest is Leslie Newell. Leslie's compassion in action, and she has dedicated her entire life to be in service of others during times of adversity. During this talk, Leslie will share proven strategies and approaches to help us find our center so that we can survive and thrive while leading during difficult times, as in times of COVID, as in times of uh, social challenges. Uh, Leslie has an incredible background as a military nurse who served in three wars. Thank you for your service, Leslie. And then she retired as colonel. So she worked her way up to colonel in the Canadian Armed Forces. Leslie is now a senior wellness advisor for two federal government departments, and she helps employees every day, being able to just hold space for people who are, who are struggling right now. So recently, Leslie oversaw the development and delivery of a program to help prepare aspiring Indigenous directors in the federal public service to prepare for those executive roles. Leslie has a master's degree in nursing from University of Ottawa, and she's worked in the, in the government for over 40 years now between her service in the uh, Royal Canadian Medical Services and also now working for two departments. So in her current role as senior wellness advisor, she focuses on psychologically safe leadership, and that's very important for the topic we're going to be talking about today, mental health and departmental workplace wellness. She has two adult sons, Spencer and Matthew, lives in Ottawa with her great Dane Luna. And Leslie, I love you. Your compassionate heart is so big. Um, I don't know anyone who wholeheartedly loves people and humanity more deeply than you do. And it shows throughout your whole career. You've been dedicated to helping uh, people in, in their most difficult times. And I feel so privileged to be able to have you on this little talk today so that you may share your wisdom with us. <laughs> So let's begin with today's topic. It's a really important one. How do you find your center as a leader, right? Especially when things got awry. You know, there were, there were certain challenges we were used to in the workplace before COVID. And then all of a sudden, you know, COVID hit. Everything is basically turned upside down. So it's important as leaders because we are the people that are looked to for guidance in terms of moving forward through difficult times that we find our own center first right we need to find like how do we get grounded so that uh, we can help and support others and hold space for them during these times what does it mean to find one's center and then to maintain it what does it really mean uh lisa that's such um that's such a good question the reason it's such a good question is because it actually compels us and asks us to do work that is maybe sometimes a little bit tough for ourselves. You know, the first time that we um, that we figure out, first of all, like what is that center and what do we do? And finding our centers for each of us is our own journey. Finding our center is about uh, finding ourselves, about what drives us, what motivates us. 
and is deeply meaningful to us. Our center is our heart of who we are, who we are as human beings, who we are in all the roles that we play, who we are, the way we interface with the world and with life. It's not about what we think we're supposed to be. Um, it's about who we really are. Ever been in one of those relationships or a job and you're into it for a while and then all of a sudden you say to yourself, oh, man, I love where I am right now with this person or this work or this job because I can just be myself. Mm. That's that feeling because it aligns to your center. It's our psychological compass and our understanding in that compass is where we find our own personal true north. Mm. It's what's at the core of who we are as a person. And finding that center, I know this is close and meaningful to you, Lisa, but it means finding your heart. Mm. To maintain it is where the investment comes. So first is the journey of discovery, and then there is the commitment to stay centered and to be that person, to stay true to yourself, to respect it, and to care for that center every single day. It's not somebody else's job to do that. It's mm. your job. Mm. It's your job to protect your center, to know what it looks like. It means tending to your center, and that means tending to your heart. I do that actually every day. If I don't do it every day, the risk is that one day we wake up or we find ourselves in a situation or in a moment where if you take that psychological compass, oh, we're way off our mark, way off our course, and all of a sudden we're reacting to somebody else's demands or something going on that doesn't align to your center. Even if it's a little bit off, it causes this dissonance that just causes this psychological discomfort. But you know to do that. So every single night, I return to that center and I ask myself, Am I still centered? Am I still on course? Am I still valuing and respecting my values and who I am? Am I proud of the work that I did today and how I treated people? And if you answer even a slightest hesitation or a slightest no, then your maintenance work starts that night when you realize it and it continues the next day when you bring that psychological compass in alignment to what's going on in your life, your work, your relationships, no matter what you do, because it's that daily maintenance, it's that daily work, that it's what keeps you centered, what keeps you grounded. And so we begin with that journey of courage because that's tough. Because lots of times we creep off course because we don't want to challenge what's going on. We don't want to be the dissonant voice. And so we just go along with it. But eventually, 
when you wake up to what your heart is telling you and what your compass is telling you, you realize you're really off course. You're not being true to who you are. You're being somebody that somebody else needed you or wanted you to be, but not who you are. When we're in adversity, in a difficult situation, it's really critical that we do that heart work, that we do that compass work every single day. Ever been walking in the forest and you think you know where you're going? You think you can see that direction? The trees go in, things cloud in a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's like, where the heck am I? Often you all the way back to the road to find out where you are to keep going. Your center is just like that. It is the piece that keeps you going where you need to be going and what your vision is. But that in itself is interesting because if you haven't figured that out, then you spend your life and your existence reacting to everything that's around you and not driving the piece that's inside of you. So as we begin to understand and know ourselves, it starts with that parallel journey that recognizes that you're worthy, that you're deserving, that you, your life and you as a person has meaning. And so that takes self-love. It takes acceptance. It takes forgiveness. Mm. I've been a follower of Brene Brown for such a long time. And I remember the first time I read her book on imperfection. None of us are perfect. But the social script kind of makes us think that we're supposed to be. We make we make mistakes. We do things that we wished we hadn't have done. Uh, sometimes we hurt people. We hurt their feelings. We hurt their hearts. Sometimes we make bad decisions. We make wrong turns. It doesn't mean we need to beat ourselves up for a our lifetime. It means that we need to find forgiveness in ourselves and forgiveness in others. It means that we have to take that judgment piece away, that little negative voice that picks away at us all the time. Just quieten it down. Say, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. I'm busy doing things that come from my center that are meaningful to me. And we move on. The hardest judgment is the one that we impose on ourselves. We're so lenient with other people sometimes. Mm -hmm. So hard on ourselves. We need to go back to that center. Value our values. Value ourself. And stay true to that by practicing it every day. By knowing what hurts us. And knowing how to fix that hurt. And what to do. And then beyond knowing, doing it. That sometimes is really hard work. So the maintenance of that center is really about the maintenance of yourself. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is some of the things that you touched upon, right? It's almost like when we go through our lives, um, even before we become, you know, actual formal leaders, but, you know, we're going through life and we're, we're 
starting to learn about our own leadership and, and finding ourselves, we start building this mask. You know, when I, when I do coaching, sometimes people say, oh, I have to be professional. Like, you know, you, you can't bring your emotions to work. You can't be yourself. And it's like, no, that's not what professionalism means. And in fact, when Erin Crotty, uh, who's, a, who's an expert uh, in the area, joined us, she said, you know, it's all about the humanity and, and how you, we are in service of others. And professionalism is about having that heart and being able to um, support others and, and help others uh, and, and be authentic and be true to ourselves. So part of our leadership journey then becomes pulling away those layers that we've collected through our lives to really get back to the center, as you said, our compass, where we find the answers we need to get through difficult times of adversity. I know that, you know, myself and a lot of my clients, it's crucial for us to find that center and and keep working at it, even though there could be lots of layers there or lots of beliefs about when expectations and, and yet that's where we find our answers. And that's what, what takes a lot of courage, you know, self-love, self-compassion, those are all things that, um, that are part of our growth journey in leadership. And it's also counterintuitive sometimes, right? Absolutely. Right? You know, what you just said, Lisa, is so true. And it just made me think, you know, it's so hard to wake up every day and put on the clothes of someone that you're not. Right. It's really, really far less energy draining to get up and put on your own clothes and be yourself. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and it's almost like at what point do we think that we have to put on somebody else's clothes? Why did we come up with those ideas that we had to be somebody else when really it's our truth that helps us to be the great leader, right? Absolutely. Love that. Love that. So, so Leslie, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've been through some amazingly stressful, difficult, probably some of the most difficult uh, situations a person can be placed in by being, you know, three wars and then also in the corporate, (laughs) in the corporate world. So if you could uh, maybe share with us, what are some stressful situations at work or while you were on tours um, as a leader that you've encountered where you had to focus on finding your center? So, you know, I, when I look back and I think, what causes me the, in my lifetime, what's caused me the greatest stress? Aside from trying to pretend someone you're not, that's always really tough. Mm-hmm. But uncertainty, uncertainty creates so much stress. And it creates stress for a couple reasons, because you know, we grow up, we mature, we become educated, we secure positions, we establish ourselves in all our different roles. And then all of a sudden we're hit with something that we don't have a guidebook on. We don't have a rule book on. Uh, we don't have prior experience on. And we're full of this uncertainty. And so it's that uncertainty. And so when I look at right now, these times are so full of uncertainty every single day. And so in our life, we have uncertainty. In our workplaces, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like in a month, in six months, in a year, in five years, in 10 years? What's it going to look like? That uncertainty is so difficult. Many years ago, I was part of a a team that went into alert that. Um, responded to a crash, a CC-130 
transport aircraft had gone into alert. It had crashed into the side of a hill, uh, trying to do its entry into the base. And uh, several people lost their lives. Mm -hmm. I was part of the medical team that responded immediately out of Edmonton, gathered everybody together, and away we went. Uh, We did what we could. Everything got delayed. The weather was a trouble. Everything got delayed. And we did all the things that we need to do. And everybody worked so hard. I had a strong background in critical care. Um, I had a strong background in trauma. Although it was uncertain, I was in my comfort zone because I was competent about what I was doing. So we returned back to Edmonton, brought people back. Um, Lots of people did survive, but lots of people did lose their lives. And when we came back, I started right away and started to uh, do critical incident debriefings and taking care of the, all the people who had been traumatized by the event. And we hadn't really had time for the team, but we had talked lots, we had traveled together, we'd done all this stuff. And from a nursing perspective and from a team perspective, I was a co-lead with physician was, that was the base surgeon, Mike Campbell was his name. And we went into a circle to talk to debrief. And one of the people I worked with was just a wreck. She was tearful. She was crying. She couldn't talk. She couldn't finish her sentences. So we took a break. And I said to her, what's bothering you the most? What's hurting you the most? She looked at me and she got so teary. And she said to me, I just needed to tell me that I did a good job, that what I did was what I was supposed to do and that I didn't fail anybody and that I did okay. And I realized at that moment that I had left her in this, just this abyss of uncertainty because I hadn't communicated with her. I hadn't understood what she needed. And I just left her there. As a leader, I failed her. I thought I was doing what I needed to do, but I didn't do what she needed me to do. She needed me to reinforce her. I needed to give her the positive stroke that gave her feedback because she had no reference point never done anything like that. I'd been with so many people that had died and so much trauma. I didn't have that uncertainty about my competence as a clinician. She was so full of uncertainty because she never had that experience before. She'd never even seen a person die. And I didn't realize that. And so when we look at where we are right now, when we look at stressful situations, It's not just about what stresses us out. It's about what stresses the people around us. And as a leader, you need to raise that gaze up and look around you and look at the well-being and wellness of your team. And you need to take care of that. You need to know what motivates them, what their compass looks like. 
And you need to be sure that you know what to do for them, not for you, for them, so that they stay their psychological course. Karen needed me to tell her that she had done an amazing job and that everything that she could possibly have done was what she did. We talked about that a lot. Her compass is okay. My compass is okay. And we understand that. But she taught me so much that day. And so during these times, when we look at it, we sometimes we just completely overshoot and underestimate what's stressful for someone. You know, we, we put our lens on it and we think that the world might be looking at the situation from our lens and they probably aren't they're looking at it from their lens and so when we look at it in that stressful times we have to be very very mindful and the bigger the leadership the bigger the stakes but don't underestimate the power of one i always say look at a mosquito in a tent if you want to know the power of one never underestimate <laughs> your influence on others and what that heart that you lead by, what that core value that is your psychological compass, the power of that compass to recognize and know when you're ever so slightly off course and stop and take the time to correct it. Because 45 degrees or 90 degrees of deviation is way harder to get back on mm -hmm than half a degree. And so it's the uncertainty, the uncertainty in everything in life, relationships, workplace, COVID-19, death, failure, is where the stress comes in the most. So it's not so much about situation as it is about how we feel. Mm. There's so much I love about your response, um, Leslie. And, you know, when I said your compassion in action, I think this is a good example of it because you were able to, I can't even imagine what it'd be like in those kinds of situations. And, and I imagine, you know, in an urgent situation like that, people are moving quickly and, you know, just trying to, to help uh, the passengers who were hurt and in trauma. and. And then the fact that you noticed what this person needed in that moment, once she communicated with you, is so powerful because you could have just easily dismissed it, but you, you took it and, and you understood it. And then were able to, as you said, find your center and, and, and meet that need of the person and help them find their center too. So, uh, you know, so that's a great example of, of compassion as a leader and um, encourage too, courage to be able to say, Oh, wow. You know, I, I really need to reframe and look at how I responded to that situation and go back and, and then help resolve it and, and meet the need of, of the person who, who was struggling uh, on your team. So thank you so much for sharing that very, um, very uh, powerful example of what it means to lead during times of adversity. And how we not only need to look at what we're going through in our own center, but helping others 
uh, and noticing, noticing when our employees, our colleagues are struggling and they need help and, and, and taking the time to be with them and, and to understand what it is that we can do to support them through that process. So thank you so much for that. Leslie, if you could just maybe talk a little bit about you know, why it's so important for us to, and I think you've, you've covered that, to find our center as leader, that, that's where we find our answers. That's where we can find some guidance in helping others as well. Um, but also, what are some approaches that you use or that you share with people that are in the workplace where they're leaders or even people who are self-leaders to, to find their center if they feel like they're starting to kind of go off path? What are some strategies and approaches? I always like to start by trying to figure out in terms of our task, in terms of our mission, in terms of what we're trying to do, in terms of where we're trying to go as a team, um, I try to establish a compass for the team. And so, you know, we do that by putting a plan together about, you know, working as a team and talking about, you know, our risks, our threats, all the things that are out there to establish where it is we're going. So there's sort of kind of two compasses running at the same time. Well, there's a whole bunch of them actually, but you know, there's a compass of what we need to be accomplishing. And therein there's the compass about how we're accomplishing it. I always work very hard to remind myself that we will always be remembered by two things. First of all, by our actions. For sure, we will always be remembered by our actions. But more importantly, we will always be remembered by how we treated people. Absolutely. We'll forget details. We'll forget little things, all sorts of things. The rest of it can just disappear into this haze. But how we treated people and the actions we took will always be remembered. And so when we, uh, when we talk about what we need to be doing and strategies. So the first piece is about communication. And communication is so important. And so in that uncertainty, in that strategy of what we need to do, it's not about, oh, well, I had my five-minute stand-up this morning. I did my task. I did this. I did that. Uh-uh. doesn't work like that. It's about First of all, matching where we need to be going with what your people and their understanding is of how, how you're going, how you're going to get there, how long it's going to take, all the details, as many details as you possibly can. The human brain is a magnificent thing, and if the details are not necessary, they'll just be parked or dismissed. The details you don't provide, even at a very early age. My children would say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why didn't I clue in for, as a mother that says, oh, clearly I'm missing the path here. Same in business. People may afford you the luxury and the wisdom and the lesson that you're not communicating the things they need to know, or maybe they won't, and you'll just wake up to chaos one time and say, how did this happen? So it's not about, oh, I've imparted it all. It's about, have I given you what you need? Have I met your need? And then checking in, checking in regularly, checking in with yourself, checking in with those around you, and checking 
their compasses, your compass, to be sure that we're still on the course. So you want to communicate with them and you want to maintain a relationship with them. Mm. When you don't maintain the relationship, all of a sudden it goes dark and people create what they think is going on and fill them with all sorts of things that might not actually be truthful. And so you need to maintain that relationship in order to help them maintain their compass heading. Mm. Because just as that person did with me when we returned from alert, I didn't, I didn't give her the information she needed in order for her to know. And so the people need help with that. And the help that they need is informative, directive, centered, deliberate, compassionate, heart-centered communication. Don't ever think that because we're in a big rush, unless we're rushing out of a building for a fire, that you can't make time to take care of the people that are around you. Mm. One big insight is that when you are trying to see or um, find the guidance, you're, you're not only looking at yourself or what others' reactions are and then saying, oh, there's something wrong with them because that's what happens sometimes, right? So some organizations, some leaders will communicate. They think they've communicated properly. The employees aren't getting it. There's resistance uh, that shows up. There's certain behaviors. And then the blame goes to the employee. Oh, well, they're not getting it. They're being resistant. Rather than saying, well, maybe I didn't communicate it properly or maybe I'm not providing enough information or the details that meet the needs of the people who are, I'm working with. So that's a really big shift, I think, uh, for people to make if, if they haven't made it already, is, is that, to have that insight that whatever's going on in your environment, in your team, is a reflection of how, you know, we lead. And if there are things that are amiss, then we need to take accountability and take the actions to address them. Um, now, you had mentioned something really important earlier on about, you know, at night, when you reflect back on, you know, what happened during the day and then resolving things before you move forward. I think that's really important in finding our center. Could you go a, bit, a little bit more into an explanation of how that process works? Absolutely. So at night, I look at what that day was all about. But when I look at it, so it's easier sometimes to go from task to heart because the heart piece is the kind of piece that takes a little bit of a little bit more effort right. so what did the task what did the day look like what did I do what were the interactions that I had what was the business that I did did I achieve the goal and the goal you set the day before and the reason you want to do that is because if you start your day waiting to react to whatever's around you then you start the day with a certain degree of anxiety because you're reacting, you don't know what's happening, what are we going to need? And so you start the day the night before planning for that next day so that you have intention and you have deliberation on those intentions about what you're going to do. At the end of the day, you re-examine those intentions 
and you say, what, what did I intend to do today? What did I achieve? What did I not achieve? And what did I achieve that wasn't on my agenda, that wasn't part of my intention? And when you look at it, you're not looking at it from a negative judgment piece, looking to find the things that you did wrong. You're looking to find, what did I learn? If we take the perspective of a learner, as opposed to the teacher, the person with all the answers, it always opens up a perspective to be in a position of learning. In learning, it's a given that we make mistakes. Absolutely. We make mistakes all the time. That's okay. So you remove the judgment. You remove that beating ourselves up, that negative voice. I should have done this. I should have done that. Remove that and let yourself be. Go back to your core. Go back to your center. And look at your day from a perspective of what did I learn today? What do I need to learn tomorrow? The next piece you look at is how did I treat people? And you start with how did I treat myself? It's back to that self-care. So how did I treat myself? Not how did others treat me? How did I treat myself? And how did I treat others? Did you treat them respectfully, kindly? compassionately, openly, honestly, with a view of their needs over yours. And if there are some pieces that you need to learn from that and do some work on the next day, then that goes into that pile of intention for what the next day looks like. Don't overburden yourself. I like to keep myself with three intentions. I usually end up with five by the end of the next day. But I like to keep my intentions down to three. I can remember three. I can keep three on track. And three isn't too overwhelming. <laughs> and so that's what my day ends like. And then I finish it with quiet. I finish it with reflection. I finish it with calm. As I go off to sleep and wake up in the morning, refreshed knowing that I already have a plan for where I'm going to go. Yeah, you might get sidetracked a little bit but you know what that plan is and you're going to look at it again that day. The whole piece of when, what's important now? What's important now to get done? So we're not looking at something that needs to be done six months down the road. In stressful situations, you focus, is it important? Is it necessary? Is it urgent? What's important now? And focus on the now. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom with us, Leslie. I mean, this was like, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a very brief period, you shared so, so many very practical ways for us to find our center. And just listening to you speak, you know, I was thinking, wow, how much better would we sleep if we had made those reflections before going to bed and then having an intention and a, and a plan for the next day to help us really get grounded and know the way forward and clearing the air if we've mistreated somebody or, or whatnot having a plan to, to rectify that that is so powerful and I think you know I'm certainly going to make sure I pay attention to those kinds of things and, and practice that uh, to find our, our center and and I love that you mentioned self-care and you know stressing the the part about you know it's not about blame finding our center is not about 
you know, going in and feeling immense amounts of guilt that drag us down. And because when we, when we come from a place of blame, we can't be able to shift around and do the things we need to do to make things right and to move forward. So thank you so much, Leslie, for, for sharing all this amazing information, tools, wisdom with us that is based on a career that has been in service of others. Um, you really walk the talk. I mean, more than anyone I've ever met. And it's such a honor to work with you and to be able to um, learn from you every, every day and uh, to just, you know, be in your beautiful light. A big thank you to our Little Talk listeners for tuning into today's show. Please share with friends and colleagues who care about leadership and what is happening in our workplaces. If you'd like to keep this conversation going, please go to lightyourleadership.com to book a discovery call. While you're there, be sure to grab your copy of Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. We wish you an excellent rest of the week. And until next time, remember to light your leadership because building authentic business relationships will help you to love your life as a leader.